Hi, this is Michelle, your chief hope builder and the author of Mom's Letting Go Without Giving Up. I'm here today, hopefully, to bring you hope. And I'm going to be talking about a few things. But the first thing is the number one reason you don't have hope for your child. Do you you know what that number one reason is? Think about that. Sometimes we just have no hope for our addicted loved ones, do we? And I think that the reason we don't have hope is we realize we can't control what they do. It's like we see the train chugging down the tracks. It's going 55 miles an hour, and we can't stop it. It's coming right toward our child. Um, You know, we see the destruction, the inevitable destruction in our child's life with their choices. Um, Maybe to you that looks like a felony, some jail time, loss of job, and the ultimate fear is death. We lose hope because we cannot control their actions. And we know 130 people are dying of overdoses every day, so it's overwhelming. But we can't form a bubble around our child. Um, God gave us free will, so the world is full of evil. There was once a time in our son's life that I said to my husband, we should have just picked him up and taken him to college in a different state and said, you need to stay here and finish your degree and do it here, not, not near where all your bad choices are, right? Well, today I look at the absurdity of that statement because what would have happened had we just kind of tried to control where he went to college? I bet you can guess, right? He would have only found a different set of bad friends. He would have found his same kind of people that seemed to migrate to poor choices. So today I want to say there's nothing you did to cause this disease in your child. You can't cure it. You can't control it. And if you don't know the three C's, then I'm going to repeat them because it really helps us cope. Um, Just to remember that we didn't cause this disease in our child. We didn't cause this problem. There's nothing we did. You can't cure it and you can't control it. And you might think, well, wait, I made some poor parenting choices. Listen, do you know how many parents made poor choices? We did the best we could, right? Just because we made poor choices doesn't mean that... And I'm not saying that you did make poor choices. I'm just saying if if you have that thought in your head, dismiss it because there are many... Think of all the kids out there who became leaders in their field who were raised by foster parents or adopted parents um, who were raised in difficult, difficult situations and they rose above it, right? So that's that can't that can't possibly be the reason that your child has this problem, right? 
Well, I got to thinking that what when our children finally decide to go into recovery, or let's say they decide to study the 12 steps, um, there are many Bibles out there that include the 12 steps of recovery. And if your child doesn't have one, I gifted mine with one years and years ago because I wanted him to have the tools in front of him to work through the steps of recovery. But the 12 steps in recovery are really important to moms too. Not only should we know what our children are going through, what we want them to recover from and how, but we can learn a lot from these 12 steps in recovery. So today I'm going to go through the first three steps with you and hope that you can garner some great coping skills from knowing what those are. The first steps, the first step in recovery is we admitted we were powerless over alcohol and drugs and that our lives had become unimaginable unmanageable, unmanageable. So our addicts are learning this, right? They're learning, well, we admit we're powerless over our drugs and alcohol and that their lives have become unmanageable. When they get to that point in their addiction use and their substance use disorder, they're down on their knees and they realize their lives are unmanageable. Maybe you've heard those words from your loved one and you think, well, wait a minute, Michelle, I'm not in recovery here. Um, I, I understand that you're not in recovery from an addiction such as alcohol or drugs. I hope not, but moms are in recovery from worrying too much and helping maybe in the wrong ways. So I want you to rethink that step, okay? Moms need to think we are powerless over our addicted loved one's choices. We are powerless. And if we try to control their actions, our lives become unmanageable. So in the case of our son, when I was trying to control (laughs) where he went to college and who he became friends with, you know, I was trying to control his actions. And, you know, when we spend all our time worrying and trying to control their actions, our lives become unmanageable. I'm sure you have similar stories. I'm sure you do. And... And hopefully you can take time to reflect on those and maybe laugh. Maybe you can laugh about the absurdity of that because in the end you know um, we are powerless over their choices. I used to wonder if by helping, I was just delaying the inevitable. Um, I, and I asked Ryan once, you know, by helping you and your wife, stay well and paying for you to have this home and raise your family um, and not pay rent you know um, his wife was really struggling with depression 
You know, was I just delaying the inevitable? Did I need to let him fall to then be able to see that the solutions were in his court? The solutions they had to find lay with them and not me. So did I delay the inevitable by helping? I think I can, I can say on this side of the fence now, yes. The more we try to rescue them from the consequences, the longer it takes for them to get well. So I kept trying to, I kept thinking that I was helping him, but really I was just delaying his journey to get well. Um, what about you? Think about, think about that first step. Are you down on your knees and admitting that your life has become unmanageable? I can't answer that for you. I'm sure there are parts of it that are true because we worry and we stress and sometimes um, it just consumes all of our day and it's really hard to focus on our work and our pleasure and the things that bring us joy. Um, step two. So let's move on to step two. Step two in their recovery, okay? It came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. A power. So in step two of recovery, our, our loved ones are learning to admit there's a power greater than themselves that could restore restore them to sanity. Now, I don't know who that is for our loved ones. I don't know who that is for you. But for me, it was God. And who are we to get in the way of God, our higher power, to think we can change the course of our child's destiny? God is molding our child for better things. If we cope in this way, and believe this, we will free ourselves from the responsibility of thinking we have to be our child's Holy Spirit. This is called faith. We have to believe in a power greater than ourselves. For instance, I like to believe in other people who go before me and show me the way. Um, oftentimes, even when we go to school, right, and we take a course, or I'm, I'm trying to learn Spanish on Duolingo, I have faith in that app that they're going to teach me something new for the day, right? Um, where have you gone recently where somebody has had the experience to teach you something or show you how to do something because they knew how. Um, It's just like I'm sitting here today going through these steps of recovery. It's not because I know everything, but because God has taken me on this journey for a reason, for a purpose. And I often reflect on, okay, God, how can I lead others You have shown me the way. You have been my higher power. 
what is the reason? And, and am I okay to teach other people? Can I help them on this journey by showing them what you have shown me on mine? Because God has given me strength to cope with this. And by sharing it with you, I believe that I am going to help you cope better, differently, or, or maybe um, just open you up to the option of thinking that there is a higher power that we can re- reach to that will get us to a level, to the next level in our pain and show us the way to faith and hope. But if we get in the way of our child's journey, are we not then getting in the way of all the others that they will help too after they go through their journey? Don't the efforts exponentially multiply? That's powerful, isn't it? It's powerful. So who are we to get in the way of their message, of their journey, that they will then take to help others? Ponder that for a bit. Maybe this is way too heavy for you today. I hope not. I'll just skip right over into step three. Okay, step three, they make a decision to turn their will and their lives over to the care of God as we understand him, God or their higher power. So step two is realizing there is a higher power. Step three is turning their lives over to the care of God and to believe in him to the point where we have faith that we will allow him to be in charge of our journey and lead us in a positive way. And hopefully by doing, you know, in order, if we're going to relinquish that power, right? then we're, we're saying we're going to follow the path. And if we're going to follow God's path in my, you know, in my way, I'm going to follow God's word by maybe studying the Bible and what that means. I don't know what that means for you, but if we look at our child and we say, I have to let go and let God, if this is my recovery, in step three, what am I giving up, right? We're asking our child to go through this 12, these 12 steps of recovery because we know they work. What about us? What about our 12 steps in recovery? And step three tells us that we have to let go and let God and give it to our higher power and say, God, I know you have my child's best interest Please be an influence in their life. God created free will though, right? The world is full of choices and this is the dark spot. This is where we lose our hope because if our child doesn't have hope in a higher power, how is this going to work for them? I don't know. But we have to let go and we have to say, 
God and we have to pray to God, will you please, please remove Satan from the lives of our loved ones because our loved ones are vulnerable right now. They're sick. They're sick. They have this disease. And we know that evil lurks in the vulnerable. So we have to pray and we have to stay in faith. Um, It's easier said than done, okay? But it's in the darkest moments that Christ makes his presence known. Study that. It's in the darkest moments that Christ makes his presence known. So when we're so busy worrying, watching our phones, tossing and turning at night, unable to sleep, checking up on our child, spending time thinking about our child, we lose touch of our higher power. We lose touch of God. We don't find peace or calm in that busyness, in that worrying. So how can we take a chill pill, right? What and where are we going to go when we need to recover, when we're on the ledge, when we're on the edge of despair and loss of hope for our child? Okay, so here I'm going to share some things that we can do. Um, But first of all, it's the awareness. So if you're you're struggling with these thoughts the first thing you need to do is ask yourself do you know this to be true so when you're worrying my child's gonna die do you really know it's true that your child's gonna die no you never really know that so is that thought that you're worrying and obsessing about absolutely true probably not um, meditate Find peace in meditation. These are ways that you can find peace or take your chill pill. Read the Bible. Verses about worry, fear, peace. Listen to music. What is it for for you that relaxes you? And I just want to say, if you don't know the difference between a major and a minor key in music, you need to. If you listen to a piece of music that brings you down and makes you just weep it's probably in a minor key that's not what you want when you're looking for peace you want a major key Um, and you can google that YouTube video the difference in major and minor keys minor keys a lot of times have a lot of dissonance in them and maybe you find peace in, in dissonance and in minor in songs that are in minor keys. Um, if I want to, th- if as a writer, if I want to write a scene that is full of negative emotion, I will listen to something in a minor key. So music can be pretty powerful. So don't just listen to any kind of music. Figure out what it is that motivates you to think joyful thoughts, right? A lot of people moving on. Um, Essential oils is another way that you can find calm and peace. Take a walk. Run. Play pickleball. Take a deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. 
take a minute and ask yourself, what am I learning? Reflect on what you did that garnered a response. You know, if it's something negative, what did you do that you could do differently for a joyful response? Find laughter. Right now, my husband is listening to this podcast and he is laughing his butt off. I don't think that's funny, but yet there are times in tense moments where he can find humor and it really helps. So maybe you can watch a funny movie. Um, Some of my girlfriends watch these videos of lip syncing and they're hilarious. And so they use them when they need to release and let go. Um, And this is a really powerful, listen to this one. This comes from my counselor. She recommended this tool for me to do and use with my grandgirls. So there's, I have one grandchild who worries all the time. And sometimes the worry will become in excess. So she said, ask her to set aside time to worry on Fridays. Let's say it's Fridays at noon. I'll say, let's, I, I understand that you're really worried right now, but we're, we're going to focus on that on Friday over lunch or on Friday in the evening after supper. And I want you to think of all those things you're worried about and put them on a shelf. And when we talk on Friday at six o'clock, I'm going to give you permission to talk about everything that you are worried about, okay? Do you think you could do that? Now, I'm not going to let go of that worry forever. I'm not going to forget, because I'm not talking about forgetting about worry. These are things that you need to think about. So Friday at 6 o'clock, I remember, and I come back to that child and I say, okay, it's worry time. I want you to talk about all the things you were worried about. What do you think happens? What do you think happens? Well, a lot of that worry has gone away. That child can't even remember what it was she was worried about on Monday. Can she? What about you? What about you? So I'm, I'm saying set aside a time in a day, a day um, that you can just worry about everything in that moment. Give yourself time to grieve over that worry. And then let it go for the other days of the week. Yeah, good luck with that. I'm just saying, I'm not saying it's going to be perfect. I'm just saying that it might be an option, right? Go to support meetings. Share with a friend who, who's a really good listener. Be careful who you share with because some people aren't good. Realize who those people are. Surround yourself with people who understand. Um, I'm a pal facilitator. Find a pal group in your area or join my Facebook group, Moms Letting Go. Rant on there, share there. What is it that you're struggling with and how can we help you? You just go to Facebook and then up at the top you search for Moms Letting Go, no spaces and you'll find us. You have to ask to join, answer some questions, but you know, come, I want to meet you. 
Ask yourself if your expectations are too high. Ask yourself if your expectations are too high because sometimes you have to refocus them Um, and move towards something instead of away. You might say, well, what what do you mean, right? Well, instead of concentrating on eliminating something negative, concentrate on something positive. Something that, so if something works, if you replace a negative with a positive, really pay attention to what works so that you do that more often. Okay, Um, and if you tell a child, don't slam the door, do you know what they're gonna remember? Slam the door, that's what their brain hears. The brain is a very powerful instrument organ or whatever. Instead, say, please close the door softly. You know what they're going to remember? Close the door softly. That's what their brain remembers. If you say, don't slam the door, they're going to remember slam the door because that's the way our brains are. So move towards something positive. Say something positive to yourself. Okay? Give yourself grace. Give yourself grace. We're not going to be good at this. It's going to take time. But if you're here, especially if you're here all the to the end of this podcast, well done. Yes, because you want to change. And that's huge. That's huge. I want to applaud you. Um, So today, just to recap, we went over the three steps. I went over the three steps in recovery. We admit we're powerless over our addicted loved ones' choices and that our lives have become unmanageable. Step two is we came to believe that there is a greater power than ourselves who can be that Holy Spirit to our child, who can restore us to sanity. And step three, we decided that we are going to let go and let God. We, us moms, are going to let go and give God the power to be our child's Holy Spirit. And I want to say, God bless to you. If you can get through these three steps and pray about that this week to become strong in that, you will recover. You will, you will be such a positive influence in your addicted child's life, I promise. For now, God bless. Until next time, there's hope. Amen. Amen.